from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeem. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, friends, we did it. We made it. Through another season of Mardi Gras. Here we are on Ash Wednesday, the day after Mardi Gras season ends and the first day of Lent. It was early this year. Uh, maybe you weren't quite prepared for it because it came so soon after Christmas. Maybe your waistband hadn't had enough time after all the ham and stuffing to make room for all the king cake. My family and I went to a few parades this year. We went to the Dauphin Island Parade to kick off the season, to a few of the daytime Saturday parades, and for the first time ever, I took a chair, a stroller, my two kids, and we staked out a spot on Royal Street yesterday morning at 9 a.m., and it stayed until 2. We made a full day of it, and this was while Brianna was at work, mind you. So, solo dad points. We did it right, too. I mean, I, I popped up that chair, I parked my stroller, we walked down to Sirtis for coffee, and I was on it. I brought my dad bag, which meant I was prepared with a change of clothes when I smelled some trouser treasure in my son's underwear. Not diaper, not pull-up, underwear. Also, we, we set up in front of the Chick-fil-A so that after the 10.30 parade, um, we were first in line there at the Chick-fil-A to get our order in rather than having to wait 30 to 45 minutes for some nuggets. I even parked my truck facing the river 
so I could pull right out onto Water Street, hit the interstate, and avoid all the traffic. I tell you what, after seven years now, I'm starting to feel like a Mardi Gras pro. I mean, I had this down pat until about halfway through the last parade yesterday. About halfway through, my son Bradshaw was in my arms, and I did not do a good job of blocking as a hand pump for basketballs hit him in the head. Not, now, I've been hit in the head by a lot of things in Mardi Gras. Beads, ramen noodles, moon pies. But I did not have hand pump for basketballs on the list of things I expected to come flying off of a float. After all that, he was done. He was, could not be consoled. So we packed up the double stroller and tried to navigate through the crowds that are, you know, four and five deep off the barricade at this point. And I was getting all sorts of dirty looks some uh, less than enthused remarks by those that saw me trying to push them out of the way in the middle of the parade while they were trying to catch or avoid hand pumps. I was so close to doing the whole thing perfectly, but just wasn't on the lookout for things I, I didn't expect to come flying through the air. But even if they're all this, you know, trials and all these you know, trial and error, I still have one thing left to, to learn about Mardi Gras. One thing maybe you old-timers can teach me about this season. After Mardi Gras is over and your house is full of all sorts of throws, I never know what to do with all this Mardi Gras stuff that we bring home. I mean, the beads, the moldy stuffed animals that have 2002 embroidered on their bottom, the crushed moon pie that are flavors nobody likes, like banana? I heard somebody say, uh, uh, I'm I, fighting words, uh-huh. Somebody's like, no, we love the banana ones. Y'all can keep them. I like the new ones, the mint ones, the blueberry ones. Like, Y'all can keep your banana moon pies. Every year, we end up having, uh, we save a couple things for the, our kids' parades the next year, but we still have this crate full of stuff, dare I say, junk. The typically gets donated or thrown away. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we don't enjoy the parades or the catching of the stuff. The experience of participating is the joy of the whole thing. And there are a few things that remain after the parades roll, like a few cups, some balls. My son will not throw away a ball to save his life. He has to throw them in our house to break things before he'll throw them in the garbage. But for the most part, we're left with a bunch of beads and bears that truth be told will probably end up in the trash eventually breaking down to become dirt and dust you know we read this scripture lesson every year at this time it's our typical ash wednesday text it's the linton text but this year it has taken on a whole new meaning for me i've often read this passage through the lens of doing things without expecting praise I've preached on that passage, this passage, through that lens at this church. And that's how you understand this passage. That is a good meaning. That is a good reading. It's, it's one that I often need to hear. I mean, there are more times than I would like to admit where I'm hoping that somebody notices the things I do. I think about my work and my attempts to do good, and I find myself often hoping that somebody says that it was great. Sometimes maybe I'm hoping the DS will hear about my sermon or, or that the bishop will hear about some project that we have done and take notice. But then I read this text and I'm reminded all over again 
that the business of being a Christian isn't about notoriety or fame or recognition or wealth. The best we should hope for is that nobody even knows what we do. Because then God, who sees everything, will give us an even greater reward for our efforts. So if you read this text and hear that when you give money, don't be like the hypocrites and tell everybody about all the money that you're giving away. Oh, look at me, I'm giving away so much money. If you hear this text and you hear that, or when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray loudly, everybody look at me. Or when you fast, put oil on your head so that don't be like the hypocrites to say, oh, look at me, I'm fasting. Instead, do these things in secret and humility so your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. If that's how you read this passage, that's a good reading. But as I said, it struck me in a new way this year. And I, it was one I needed in this particular moment. I was drawn to these last few verses. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I got to thinking, what are heavenly treasures? I started wondering, what are the things that will exist in eternity? Because you see, many of the things we experience every day are like dust. There are things that will fade away with the passing of time. And I'm not just referring to physical objects, but I mean much of what we experience in our day-to-day lives, as in the things that we say and do. Many of our actions are fleeting. They will not last. They're like dust. But there are parts of our lives that will live on beyond our years. Some of our actions, some of our words, some of our deeds will live on in eternity. And that's how I understand these verses about storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. You know, I often joke that unnoticed or unappreciated actions like lumber that you're just throwing up for your mansion in the sky. And every time you do something in the here and now that you don't get credit for, it's just one more log in your stack of logs that you can add so that you can build that fifth bedroom for your mansion in the clouds. I mean, obviously, I say that jokingly. I don't think that heaven is like Beverly Hills where we're all comparing our house sizes to one another on our cul-de-sac. I don't think that the best people on earth get to lord over their uh, infinity pools over their jealous neighbors. But I do think that in the kingdom of God, this reality that exists beyond our full comprehension, much of our lives will not last there. There will be plenty of things that will be like banana moon pies or moldy bears or whichever flavor moon pie you don't like. Some things will fade away and yet others will remain. So lately I've been asking myself the question, will this exist in eternity? And by this, in particular, I've been asking it around my anxieties, my fears, my angers. When I find myself upset with a particular situation, maybe when I'm jealous of a peer for the recognition they receive, I've been trying to stop and ask myself if this jealousy will exist in eternity. When I'm feeling self-righteous 
maybe during a frustration with a friend or my spouse, or you get in an argument, you know, the type of arguments I'm talking about, the arguments with the people that you're closest to, like your friends, your, your family members, and it's in his petty things. Maybe you're arguing about things like how many national championships does Alabama actually have? I know everybody's got their opinion on that. Or should you fill up the gas tank whenever it hits like the E and the red light comes on? Or well before then? One of those is right and one of those is not. And it's, it's not the one that Brianna thinks. It's the one that I think. Or, you know, I like that Teddy's got his opinions about it too. He likes the E. He, he's, yeah, he knows when to fill it up. Or if, if Brianna were here, she was here earlier today, and she and I were talking the other day about wanting to watch a, a movie, and she wanted to watch a romantic comedy, and I wanted to watch an action movie, and we had a disagreement about what we should watch, and then we just decided not to watch anything. You know, there's so many arguments in our lives that are petty, but for some reason they seem unavoidable. When things like that happen, whenever I get all inside myself frustrated about things that seems so petty. I'm trying to ask, will this exist in eternity? Will this argument matter? Or is it dust? Am I stewing on something meaningless? And missing the better thing that is right in front of me? Or is this worth fighting for? Because Jesus did fight for things. We still fight against injustice. There are things worth holding on to. But how much of our lives are consumed by meaningless bickering? And this is not new or unique to me. I mean, this is how news companies thrive. They thrive on dust. It's how they get ratings and advertising dollars. They find small arguments, make them a big story, and then tell them that you, tell you, you should be mad about this. And we buy it. It's like we have this propensity to focus on things that don't ultimately matter. We all like to dwell in the dust. But dust has this terrible quality. Dust multiplies. It sticks to itself and it grows. I mean, look around your house. Doesn't it seem like dust multiplies with outstanding ease? I mean, look on top of the blinds or the windowsills. Look under the sofa or on top of the dresser. I mean, there's dust everywhere. Even though you just cleaned that part of your house yesterday, you go back and there's more dust than there was the day before. Dust grows like weeds. Have you ever been in a field during a dry season? Have you ever seen the wind kick up and dust just fly everywhere? There's a reason why the period between 1930 and 1936 on the plains was called the Dust Bowl. Because these dust storms where clouds and vortexes would cover visibility and they could occur at a moment's notice. It's almost like dust makes more dust. And it's like that in our own lives, too. If you look at your life, the dust there seems to have the same collaborative quality. It's as if meaningless things stack up on each other like a storm blocking the visibility of the things that actually matter. Think about the times when you feel worst about yourself. When you're lowest, down in the dumps, upset. You have the least amount of energy and the least amount of motivation to do anything about it. And so instead of being proactive and productive, you pull out your phone 
and you see everybody's curated timelines about how great their lives are, and that ends up making you feel worse about yourself than you did before you even started. Dust makes more dust. Or have you ever heard of anger transference? It's when uh, your boss or your coworker or a friend is angry about something and they take it out on you, and that makes you angry. And so then you go home and you take that anger and you get mad at your sibling or your child or your significant other or your roommate or your pet. All of a sudden, something they do that is really innocuous, that doesn't really matter, it gets blown out of proportion as this big deal because you received the brunt of somebody else's anger, so now somebody has to receive yours. Dust makes more dust. This happens over and over in our lives. The things that matter get the least amount of our attention. And we seem to give all of our efforts and energies to the things that won't last. And so today, we come together to admit that we want more. We want a life with meaning in abundance. And we profess that without Christ, we know that our lives are dust. Without Christ, life has no meaning. And if not for Jesus, our lives would simply be to return to the ground, destined to create more dust. But in Christ, we are a new creation. Because of Jesus, our sins and our meaningless follies, they will fade away and they will not have the last word. They will not be the end of our stories. There will be things that remain. There will be actions of the kingdom that echo in eternity. And the ashes we put on our foreheads tonight are a reminder that this fading away, this burning of the refiner's fire, of these things that don't matter, it's something we actually want. We're asking for it. This season of Lent, we come to admit our fault. And we aim to identify within ourselves the things that will not remain so that we can repent of them and ask the Lord to help us focus and increase the things that will exist and last. And so I ask you today, what are the things in your life that will be there in eternity? What are your actions that will be rewarded in heaven Are you living for yourself now, expecting recognition and gratification from this world? Are you finding anger when people don't notice you? Are you dwelling on dust? Or have you set your eyes on the eternal? As you come and you receive the ashes tonight, I I hope you will begin your own self-examination. I mean, that's what the invitation to Lent is all about. It's an invitation to self-examination. It's why we sacrifice things. So every time we crave the thing we give up, it causes us to stop and look at our own lives and ask, are we still living for ourselves or are we hoping for something more? I hope you will join me this Lenten season asking of your arguments, of your jealousies, of your angers, of your self-righteousness. Will these be there? Will these exist in eternity? Or is this something that will fade away and I should let it go? I believe that when we all do that, we will be able to find lives of more meaning than we can imagine. And in so doing, we will be able to offer better aid and help and make the kingdom of God known on earth as it is in heaven.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.